Hey there. This is Story Story Late Night, the positively shameless black sheep of the Story Story Night family, where you hear bleep-worthy stories on an unblushing theme. I'm artistic director Jody Eichelberger. On this podcast, we're going to drink it all in with stories on the theme Drink Me. During the slam, things got curiouser and curiouser as guest host Minerva Jane randomly drew names from the hat during a madcap spill-the-tea-party of five-minute stories, recorded live at the Visual Arts Collective in Garden City, Idaho. Follow the white rabbit. It's story time. Mary! Come on up. Oh, okay. Well, shrinking. You're talking about shrinking and drinking. Drinking and shrinking. Drinking and shrinking. Right? Is that right? You are shrinking. All I can say is don't drinkin' with a shrinkin'. Um, drink me is not me. If I were he, or I'm sorry, I am she, but whatever I am, I know I need help, so I'm up here. Um, I was just reminded, I mean, the interesting thing about, come, I, I need a hug. Would you just come up and give me a hug? Well, I, I think you should have a drink to come over and help me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, I, I have a crazy story. I, um, at one time in my life, I, um, Believe it or not, I drank. I started at 11, believe it or not. My dad used to have beers in a refrigerator that, uh, in the garage. And I would be drinking his beers. And um, make a long story short, I uh, actually grew up as a, uh, a professional surfer. And um, I was driving with this professional surfer and he got pulled over and they said, well, you can't drink anymore and um, we'll let this lady drive you. And so I drove him. 10 years later, I went to a wedding and I drank and uh, I was driving and I couldn't see very well and don't ever drink and drive. But um, I happened to have an accident and the accident happened to be with somebody that uh, called me and said, what were you doing drinking? And it was the same guy. It was the professional surfer. And the um, police officer uh, proceeded to say that, uh, you know, I know you were drinking. I'm going to let you go because you were driving on the left side of the road and you used, you're used to driving in England where you drive on the left side of the road. So where I'm going with this is that if you ever are on the left side of the road where you think that you're not going where you need to go, don't drink and drive. <laughs> Whatever the case may be, don't ever drink and drive. So drink me is to say, if you want to go to the lowest place, don't ever have a drink before you get behind the wheel. And that's my spiel. So. Hope you have a great reel on this evening. 
Thank you. Let's hear it for Mary Francis. So this is my first time ever a story story. And um, so obviously it's Drink Me. So my question to the audience is, how many of you are so grateful to be alive after a stupid drinking night? Raise your hands. Come on. No, there's more. There is so more. And I will never say or speak of any of this. So to put this in just a grand gesture of drinking and being grateful to be alive, one of the stupidest things I've ever done, this is in the early 80s and in Colorado, up at CSU, Fort Collins, and one of my dearest friends from seventh grade, by the way, Catholic school, did you get that, Mary Francis? My brothers are John, James, and Mark, and I'd said to my dad, hey, if you have Luke, we can have all the apostles. What are you waiting for? So with that in mind, Catholics drink a lot, and I'm 100% Croatian, so the Maria Franca is actually Maria Franca Belenovic, I go by Mary Francis, and if you meet me in the streets and you want to talk and I'm ornery, you can definitely call me Mary France ass. <laughs> so back to the drinking story when we're going through all of our friends getting married and how many dresses we have as maids of honor. So honestly, I was a really, really bad maid of honor to one of my best and dearest friends. I did not want her to marry this guy. And for good reason. They did get married. Eight years later, we actually found out of four four of um, extra relationships that he was having. And he just wasn't a good guy. And I didn't cope very well. I decided to drink. So we just, for her bachelorette party, we were up at um, a reservoir in Fort Collins. And uh, we barbecued and grilled. There was about 15 girls. This is the 80s. And when I talk about snow in Colorado, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Lots of party treats on, on yeah. And um, I just remember the last thing, I, was, I think I was doing cartwheels on the beach as a, as a previous gymnast. And um, the next thing I know, I think I'm in a hotel room and I wake up and it's black and brown slatted wood in diagonals. And I'm thinking, this is not my hotel room. And this is not Teresa's room. Then I look over, and there's an octagonal window of wood. And I'm thinking, if this is a hotel, damn, that's ugly. Like, where am I? This is so bad. This is so bad. So back to the Catholic thing that I brought up. Who has a bridesmaid that schedules church at 1030 at St. Joseph's the night after her bachelorette party? And winter snow. No, it's not going to happen. So I wake up, and I go, oh, there's a set of staircase. Thank heaven, again, divine choreography. I'm fully dressed. I'm like, oh, shit. So I come up to the top, top of the stairs, and I do a 360. I'm on a boat in the middle of the reservoir <laughs> with no land to be seen. I'm going to go to hell for sure because I'm not going to make church. There's no dry land. <laughs> then this nice young gentleman came up and said, my name is Michael. I said, well, you're definitely Mar Archangel Michael. And he said, I found you on the beach. I don't know where the rest of them went to, and I felt bad. I didn't want to leave you there. 
And I said, thank you, thank you very much. I have yet to see any nude photos surface from that, and I'm 55 <laughs> years old, so I got away gracefully. So that's my story of, of drinking. My, um, I did actually make church. I don't even know how. Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it for Ruth. Let's start this story on the couch. Horizontal. In fact, so horizontal that my head is sliding off the cushion all the way upside down so that I'm watching the TV upside down across the room. It's a Broad City Marathon, the one where they take mushrooms. I know this is drink me tonight because I think Story Story didn't want us to um, publish that this is really an eat me night. But this is an eating story. So let me set the context here. Every year, my daughter and I spend our birthdays together, and last year we were a little bit rushed. So I flew in on a Friday afternoon, and she scooped me up, and she threw me into her studio apartment, and she said, one more meeting, and then we eat, drink, be merry, catch up, all is good, see you later, bye. I'm fine. I've got my laptop. I'm good. But a couple hours into this, I'm a little hungry. Now, my daughter is like some young women who all they have in their kitchen is a power bar and a half a bottle of rosé. <laughs> so I gotta dig. I gotta really dig to find something I'm gonna eat in that kitchen, and I find the power bar, and in the butter dish of her refrigerator, I find the cello chocolates. So I eat a chocolate because I don't wanna make a whole meal of chocolate and I eat half the power bar because I don't want to eat all her food. <laughs> Horizontal on the couch. Head flowing off the backside of the couch. I'm watching Broad City upside down. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't, I don't feel so good. <laughs> and then it dawns on me, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, I recognize this. Now, I didn't recognize this from 10, 20, couple decades worth of drug abuse. No, I recognize this from being at the dentist last week, getting so much dental work done that I said, turn that nitrous up all the way. Oh yeah, that's the feeling, all right. Oh shit, I am fucked up. Now, I have no idea if she even knows these are in her refrigerator. <laughs> I mean, if it were my son, I'd be on alert. But this child did a lost weekend in high school, which culminated in me scooping her up and taking her to the ER only to find out it was edibles. She's never doing that again. Oh, no, 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 mom, never again. I don't even think about this thing. And when she finally rings me on the phone, she's all excited. She's like, guess what, Mom? I'm at a car dealer. I'm buying a car for my birthday. And I'm just going to need a little bit of your help, so I'm just going to call you. I'm just going to come pick you up, and we're going to go back to the car dealership. And, and I said, oh, uh, if, if this help you need is anything to do with me getting behind the wheel of a motorized vehicle, not a good idea. And um, to which she says, why, Mom? I ate some chocolate out of your refrigerator. <laughs> now again, I don't know what the response is going to be. 
It's hysterical laughter. <laughs> By the time she puts me in the car to go to the car dealership, my, her younger brother knows how high I am. All her girlfriends in the greater Los, Los Angeles basin, they know how high I am. Oh yeah, Instagram knows how high I am. And then she gets her boss on the phone and she goes, Steve, this is my mom. She's fucked up right now. <laughs> and he puts that into context for me and says, oh yeah, two of them, Christmas sock, all at the same time. Dang, he was high. By the time I came down, we were at the nice cafe with a bottle of wine. But here's my eat me message for you. The cannabis train is a mighty strong train. Watch what you eat. Bean, come on up. Hi, Jeannie Peterson, Bean. So I have three little um, drinking stories to tell you. First, I was a traveling nurse in Riverton, Wyoming. And I, I uh, bed, 80 bed hospital uh, near the Wind River Indian Reservation. And I worked with this guy by the name of Tiny. He looked just like Bull from Night Court. Tiny, he wasn't tiny. Well, the police would bring in people for us to draw blood alcohol levels on. And this one guy, he's pretty belligerent, he called me a cunt. Well, next thing I know, Tiny's taking him outside. And I'm like, oh my God. I peek out the window, and the guy's on his knees, and he's just nodding and nodding. Tiny's just, you know, just kidding. And when he came back in, he was very polite. And he apologized profusely. <laughs> and then he went to jail. <laughs> so my second story is, Danny and I wanted to go listen to music and drink downtown. And so I was looking in the Boise Winkley of, of bands, and I said, oh, well, this sounds good. Hummer and Fluffer. And they play, they play Stratocasters. Danny had a Telecaster. And I thought, well, he says, well, you know what that is, don't you, Bean? I'm like, well, I guess not. He said, well, what's a, what's a, a Hummer? He says, well, a Hummer's a blowjob. I said, well, that makes sense. I said, well, what's a Fluffer? He said, well, the fluffer is the person on the porn set that keeps the star fluffed up between lighting changes or sound changes or scenic changes, things like that. And I said, well, I could get a job doing that. <laughs> and he said, oh, honey, you could be the star. <laughs> and I said, good answer. But you mean they're not the names of bunny rabbits? And then my third story is, sorry, was it when our friends Connie and Suter got married, and uh, it was a big, big party, and a bunch of us after the wedding and the reception were at their house off a, on Smith off a hill road. And about 3 a.m. in the morning, the two guys that lived across the street come over, and they said, why don't you come over and uh, get in our hot tub with us? And we're like, okay. So <laughs> Danny and I and Bill and Suni and a couple of other people, we go over there and of course get off our clothes and get in the hot tub. And Danny's talking to this, this guy sitting next to him, and, and pretty soon the guy comes up and he puts his hands on my knees, and he starts to lower down. I think, well, if I didn't know better, I think that guy was gonna go down on me. 
which is an interesting concept underwater. But as his nose got to the, to the water, I just flicked it. And he went, and he sat back down next to Danny and he said, I thought you said she wouldn't mind. And Danny said, no, I said you had to ask. La vergüenza, the shame. Okay, as they mentioned, my name is La Vergüenza, which from Spanish to English means the shame. So before I get into my story, I would like to say that my mother of all people put me up to this. She is in the audience, front and center, no. And also, distinguished members of Boise, one of my favorite actors from the Shakespeare Festival, is here, Mr. Stitchmarker. And of course, Jody. And Minerva. Anyway, I. I'm very sorry for what I'm about to tell, especially in front of my mother. Uh, so this, I would call this the alternative high school reunion. And this took place, believe it or not, in Las Vegas. So I'm sure you can imagine this isn't a heady intellectual reflection on my life. This is just a classic drinking story gone wrong. So, uh, my childhood friend, Andrea and I, we decide we're going to go to Las Vegas instead of conforming and going to our high school reunion here in Boise. So, her boyfriend is a big deal graphic designer. He's getting to design video games, but also album covers for well-known bands. And even though I wasn't a fan of this band, uh, I really wanted to get to go to Las Vegas as an adult and get to go VIP. Because if you're gonna go to Vegas, you know, at least go VIP. So, the name of this band is shameful in itself. It was LMFAO. <laughs> you, you may remember them as party rockin' or every day I'm shufflin'. <laughs> Probably the, the only reason why they were given a musical opportunity was because one of the band members' fathers was, you know, one of the founders of Motown. So anyway, that kind of sets the stage. So we've built up all this anticipation to go to Las Vegas, VIP, it's at the Cosmopolitan. Uh, there are multiple pools and rooms and levels. And, you know, we, there's more security than at the airport. <laughs> so we, you know, we've built it up in our minds for, you know, quite a few months. And I'm very proud to get to go to Las Vegas VIP, skip out on this high school reunion, go with my best childhood friend, and my French boyfriend in tow. Woo! 
So the night of the concert comes. It's taken forever, like I said, to get through the security. You know, more, more severe, more thorough than any airport security I've experienced. So we finally get to where they're having the party. We take it all in, we explore the spaces, we explore all of the different levels of, you know, the hotel and the roof and where the party is and different places you can go. But the big danger to the evening is we hear an announcement that for all of the ladies, it's an open bar. Starting in about 10 minutes. So we, we plot and we plan and, you know, for our poor boyfriends that can't get free drinks, you know, we plan on how we're going to visit the various bars and we'll get all of these drinks for free. So then uh, it, it, it comes time and they do the call for all of the ladies to hit the bar. And uh, I think eventually we kind of forget to take the drinks back to the boyfriends. And then just forget again and forget again. Oops. So, I think, I mean, I think a couple drinks made it back to them, but mostly, you know, they were showering the drinks on us. <laughs> okay, so, you know, I grew up a very nice girl. I didn't get in trouble ever. You know, I only have a few, like, severe drinking episodes in my life. Also a good disclaimer, because as I mentioned, my mom's in the audience. Um, and so eventually, um, it kind of gets a little, little patchy, a little patchy in my memory. But I do remember moments. So uh, I'll just kind of hit some highlights. So eventually... <laughs> We head to an area that they've roped off where people even more VIP than we thought we were. <laughs> and there are their signature zebra party rockin' glasses setting out with, you know, champ champagne, champagne everywhere. <laughs> and, and inflatable zebras and then one of the members of LMFAO, which I don't even like this group, is standing over there, and in my inebriated state, I'm telling my friend, let's go over there and talk to them! <laughs> I must have an inflatable zebra! So... Then this gets a little patchy again, so I find out later, uh, I, I go past the little VIP taped off area, my friend in tow trying to drag me out of the way, and I'm apparently talking to one of them. I think his name is Red Foo. So one of the members of the band. And uh, I, I don't know what I said, but apparently I did manage to get an inflatable zebra. 
Because as it turns out, later on, all four of us are separated. I'm even separated from my friend. You know, let alone the boyfriends. <laughs> and uh, also, when I've been kicking back a few, I tend to go into accents. <laughs> so my backstory was that uh, I was from Spain, educated in Britain. So I spoke Spanish when I could to people surrounding me. You know, I was totally alone, but I managed to meet people. You know, I'm friendly. And then I also, then I really hit the British accent hard and somehow just, yeah, coming up with conversation with people in a British accent. Then, you know, a little bit more patchy later and I find myself outside the venue, alone, at a fountain. I'm carrying my shoes and frantically trying to call my friend or my boyfriend and figure out what happened to them. And I'm <laughs> just outside and little did I know or realize, but uh, I had that inflatable zebra tucked under my arm the entire night. <laughs> You know, so as people are giving me invitations for the evening, or go here, go there, or oh, I grew up in Spain too, or oh, I was educated in Britain as well, la la la. I was doing all of this. I thought I was so classy at the time, but with an inflatable zebra under my arm. So eventually I reunite with the boyfriend. He had been very worried, understandably. I feel bad we had built up everything in our minds. I, you know, I lose my friend. She's at a completely different hotel with her boyfriend at this point. I head back to my hotel with my boyfriend. But kind of the grand finale here, it did turn out to be a better high school reunion in Las Vegas than it would have been had I stayed in Boise. So I will say, the end of this story, the high school reunion turned out to be a picnic in a local Boise park, where one of the members of our graduating class had gotten quite inebriated among all of the families and such having their picnics. He went up the hill I believe on Vista, broke into a comic book store to which the cash register had no money in it. And then this poor guy from my graduating class, he then to disguise himself from the crime, spray painted his hair bright orange. <laughs> and was found near his crime. So, yes, so even though I lost all my friends and ended up in this strange situation in Las Vegas, you know, I, I still ended up better than this poor fella at our uh, high school reunion. So yes, that is my alternative high school reunion. Thanks for listening, and thank you to our season sponsor, Over 19 Adult Shop, and the Drink Me Show sponsor, Acme Bake Shop. The Story Story Late Night theme song is by Ned Evett, with podcast production by Stephen Baldessari, featuring live music from The Corvids. 
Support this storied program, find upcoming shows, and stay tuned at www.storystorynight.org or on SoundCloud, Facebook, and YouTube at Story Story Night. You can submit to be a featured storyteller by writing story at storystorynight.org. Find our full archive of podcasts at soundcloud.com slash storystorynight. 